0: Welcome to the Essay for FA's Asset Allocator podcast, a series that addresses issues of current interest to financial advisors, including ETFs, asset allocation, and the economy. I'm your host, Gil Weinrich of Seeking Alpha, and today's topic are the inherent difficulties in macro analysis, plus a nice example of superb macro analysis. The Financial Advisor publication Investment News has published a truly outstanding interview with Mohamed el Aryan, the Chief Economic Advisor to Global Asset Manager Allianz. The interview conducted by Jeff Benjamin is lengthy, so I will only note a few items I found especially important, but not before telling you what I believe are the potential pitfalls of macroanalysis, which I believe every financial advisor must bear in mind. The problem is that such analyses are often inherently binary the thesis is bullish or it is bearish. If you make investment decisions on the basis of such analysis, you have a 50% chance of being wrong. Then there are two kinds of non-binary investment analysis. One that is outright wishy-washy, where the analyst wants to avoid the risk of having been wrong. And of course, there is a nuanced sort of analysis, neither all bullish nor bearish, but offering an honest bottom line. So one of these four is completely unhelpful, the wishy-washy kind. The other three may be helpful, but if you act on the analysis, you stand a very good chance of being wrong. And worse, people often veer towards the sort of analysis that they feel an emotional pull towards. In other words, through bias. A crude example would be, I don't like the president, so I do like the analysis that says the economy will tank, or vice versa. To illustrate these pitfalls, let's go back in time to the last decennial shift. 10 years ago, Goldman Sachs forecast strong global growth and low inflation. The Wall Street firm expected a robust stock market for the new year and beyond, saying the Fed would not raise rates for fear of driving high unemployment higher. Well, Goldman was wrong about global growth, which was tepid, right about low inflation, and extremely correct about the stock market. Investors who listened to Goldman made out handsomely, In contrast, John Hussman of the Hussman Funds wrote an analysis at that time defending his not having jumped on the equity bandwagon in 2009 and therefore having missed the rally. Hussman explained why he thought the rally would be short-lived, devoting much of his analysis to criticism of the propriety and even constitutionality of the Fed's purchase of a then just trillion dollars worth of mortgage securities. When you separate out some of the smart-sounding financial and economic details from the past decade's macro-analyses, you can look back and see two primary viewpoints. The guys pounding the table about how ludicrous, inept, or damaging the Fed's behavior has been were the decade's losers, and the Wall Street don't-fight-the-Fed camp have had their best decade ever. But I wouldn't assume that that means that Wall Street is where the smart money is. Some of Hussman's arguments sounded quite compelling, especially at that time. And don't fight the Fed may be the world's most successful financial strategy until the day it turns into the worst one. One day, the central banks may push a little too far and lose all credibility. And that brings me to El Arian's analysis. Read the Investment News article for the details, but I'll note just three points he makes. First, he makes the point that the Fed was actively pursuing a policy of normalization, but markets forced a dramatic turnaround in 2018, and we're now back in an effective quantitative easing type policy, which drove markets higher last year. It's almost as though the Fed is on autopilot, and I wonder, this is me, not El Arian, if this will be the decade where the Fed critics have their day. Second, Arian asks the provocative question as to whether our trade troubles are a pause button on globalization or a rewind button, a phenomenon that markets may not know how to address as yet. I wonder, this is me again, not El Arian, if a decade that has been so good for the investor class has pushed the have-nots over the edge, and the inward populist forces we have seen will move the global economy decisively towards deglobalization. Third, El Arian says he is personally building up his cash reserves and looking for alternatives outside of public equity and fixed income markets. His reason is interesting and I think revealing. He feels like he has benefited from a trifecta of significant returns, a breakdown in correlations such that both stocks and bonds have been rewarding, and extremely low volatility. He doesn't use this word, but what he's really saying is that this has been the Goldilocks of Goldilocks markets for a long time, and the longer it continues, the more he is inclined to prepare for a change. El Arrian is too seasoned and sophisticated to make specific forecasts about timing. What he does, and what I think the best of macro analysis does, is raise good questions and issue warnings about what could happen. His added bit about building up cash for risk mitigation and optionality is a bonus, since his longtime listeners know, that's always a plus in my book. In conclusion, macroanalysis can be dangerous. If you listened to the Fed phobes over the past 10 years, you lost out. It could be that the Fedophiles will lose out this decade. Who knows? Good macro analysis stems from genuine knowledge and seasoned sophistication that opens your mind to possibilities. And from a portfolio management point of view, it's best to always hedge your portfolio and L. Arian's cash reserves are a good way to do so. Thanks for listening. If you found this podcast of value, consider passing it on to one other advisor. Also, feel free to contact me at gill at seekingalpha.com with any feedback. This is Seeking Alpha's Gil Weinrich.